came to live, live a perfect life. He came to be the living word our life. He came to die so we'd be reconciled. He came to rise to show his power and might. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this king. Cause he gave his everything. Cause he gave his everything. He came to live, live again in us. He came to be our conquering king and friend. He came to heal and show the lost ones his love. He came to go, prepare a place for us. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this king. Cause he gave his everything. Cause he gave his everything. Cause he gave his everything. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, Still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on a road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the 
Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praise my Savior.
everyone here this morning. I'm Phil Jackson, one of the elders here at Preston Crest. We want to welcome you, especially our visitors. We know that we may have some uh, special visitors that uh, are, have gone to the medical conference that was here, this medical missions conference that was here over the weekend, and uh, we certainly welcome you. We ask that everyone would text uh, check-in to 469-476-5331, the, uh, the number behind me here, uh, so that we have a record of your visit, or you can use the pew card uh, on the pew back in front of you. There's QR codes uh, for you to check in for our visitors. If you're a first-time visitor, we ask that you fill that card out, go back to our information welcome booth, and you'll be given uh, a gift. As you walked in, some of you looked a little puzzled. Where are the tables with my communion cups? Well, they're in the baskets, and if you missed seeing them in the baskets, please, uh, you can go find those in the baskets out there. A couple of things that are in our bulletin, because when, uh, when you check in online, you'll get that digital bulletin, and of course, there is the, the, uh, the printed bulletin couple of things. One, we want to thank you for your generosity. Last week we started collecting for Ukrainian relief and uh, you donated over $18,000. And so thank you so much for that. We are still collecting and you can find uh, the details of the information that we are collecting uh, and the, where those funds will be going to. You can find those in the bulletin or online. And then next week is our 50th anniversary celebration. We have been so looking forward uh, to this time uh, together. Um, just a few notes. Uh, you can find all the details again in the bulletin and online, but a few notes. We need a few more people uh, to bake some cookies so we can have plenty of dessert. Uh, and so you can find that information uh, again in the bulletin. For next week then, only one service at 10 o'clock. If you come at 8.30, then you have special prayer time, okay? <laughs> But it's at 10 o'clock, one worship, 10 o'clock, uh, no Bible classes next week. Uh, and then, of course, after, after our service, uh, we'll have a nice lunch together. A couple of recommendations for you. I would still get here early, maybe not 8.30 early, uh, but 9.30, 9.45 early. I think that would be good. We, since we're having just one worship, it's both services combined plus uh, any visitors that we have. Uh, if you're able, please park at the North Dallas Bank parking lot uh, and walk over. That would be very helpful. We'll be, have very tight parking. Uh, the parking lot over here, we'll have a couple of tents that we're using for, for lunch. So parking will be a little tight. So if you're able, park across the street uh, and walk over. That would be very helpful. And then also when you get here... We need you to pack the pews. Come down to the front and pack the pews as tight as you can. We like our, our space, uh, but next week we're going to focus on tight fellowship. And so please come in. Um, and just uh, again, with the one service, there's no evening service next week. So be uh, next week, be flexible, enjoy the day of the Lord and the fellowship that we will have. Please join me in prayer as we offer our start our worshiping. Our Father in heaven, as we sang just a few moments ago, you indeed are our fount of every blessing. You have blessed us in so many ways. This beautiful day, the change of the seasons, our precious children, and the abundant material blessings that you have given us. Even in our times of stress 
and, and anguish and pain, you bless us with your comfort and your peace, your hope, joy, and love that can be found nowhere else. You have blessed us, and as you have blessed us, may you be blessed by the offer of our worship this morning. You are such a good, gracious, and loving God, deserving of our praise. May the gifts you have given us in Christ be reflected in the way we live our lives in your service. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Here are the words of the Lord from Matthew 19, 14, as we prepare for our, this very special time of baby blessing. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. There is an endless song echoes in my soul. I hear the music ring. And though the storms may come, I am holding on. And to the If we could have all of the parents bring their babies forward, and if our, any of our elders are able to make it forward as well, please join us up here on the podium.
We are so thankful to God for this opportunity to pray, pray over these precious new lives and the parents and grandparents and great-grandparents watching over them. We are so blessed to have an incredible children's ministry here at Preston Crest. Our children's ministry director, Rebecca Sutton, along with Lisa Pipkin, Anna Gescheidel, Stephanie Ombi, and Nicole Brantley, and dozens of parents and grandparents who teach and lead small groups, blessing our children with their love and kindness while teaching God's word and preparing them to be his children. Solomon wrote in Psalm 127 that children are a heritage from the Lord, and that is so true. The elders encourage each parent and grandparent of these blessed children to provide not only physical nourishment, but spiritual nourishment as well. We here at Preston Crest are committed to do our part to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they, like Jesus, will grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Please bow with me as we pray for God's blessings over each one of these cherished children. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these children, for Adelaide and Parker, for Luke and Benjamin, for Kylie and Graham, for Xander and Olivia, for Hattie and Ada, for Hudson and Madison, for each one of these children that has come into existence, for Thomas and Matthias and Michael, and for Paisley and Tucker, and for Thomas and Brody and Monroe. Each one of these children is an example of your handiwork. We pray that these children do the good works that you have prepared for them to do. We pray against any plan of the enemy that opposes what you have already planned for these children. Let your love envelop them at all times. We pray over these new lives and ask that your goodness and mercy will surround these children all the days of their lives. On this day of blessing, we pray that you will touch, your, touch their parents so that their child may be disciplined in line with your word, so they will give them peace to those around them. Let these children be a delight to all those around them. We bless these children who are a heritage and reward of you. During this blessing, we pray that these children will be raised in an environment of genuine love so that they will grow to produce good things and they will remain on the righteous path. Let your plans for these children never fade. Instead, let them manifest into things greater than we could ever imagine or think. Thank you for these children who are fearfully and wonderfully made. As we pray this prayer of blessing, Lord, we thank you for taking the time to create these children with the utmost precision and intent. You saw them before they were formed, and we thank you for that. We bless these unique gifts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me, oh Lord, I give you my heart, I give I live for you. 
our communion. We're going to sing one more song, and then Tom Fowler will lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. Lay your burden down, every care. Good morning, church. As John Scott mentioned, my name's Tom Fowler. My wife, Nancy, and I have been members at Preston Chris since spring of 1973. We certainly aren't the earliest members. By the time we found this group, they were already meeting in a school elementary cafeteria not far from here. I've been blessed for many years. Through God's grace, I've managed to live long enough to make it to my 71st birthday. which was just yesterday. Now, I know some of you probably have been pretty busy and forgotten that it was my birthday, but... (laughs) I'll have you know that there's plenty of time to get something in the mail. As our culture, and indeed many cultures in the world, celebrating one's birthday is a big thing. Everybody has a birthday. And we like to celebrate them. I look forward to doing that this afternoon. Our son and daughter-in-law and two precious granddaughters. We will get together and share some cards and have some chocolate pie 
which Nancy has made for the occasion. I'm a pie man, not a cake man. <clears throat> and indeed, one week from today, we'll celebrate 50 years of this congregation. We look forward to that. <clears throat> what we are observing this morning and celebrating is a different kind of celebration. Not of one's birth, but of one's death and particularly resurrection. <clears throat> this is how Matthew describes in his gospel account Jesus' application of the Passover feast. <clears throat> While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples to say, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and we had given thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> this, of course, is the account of Christ's implementation of what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Supper or communion. It was given as Jesus and his apostles were celebrating the traditional Passover meal shortly before he was to be betrayed and crucified. The Passover meal was a memorial feast celebrated each year by the Jews to remind them of their deliverance from Egyptian bondage. Just as the old covenant was sealed by the sprinkling of blood, the new covenant was now established by Jesus' blood. Just as the blood that was put on the doorpost of those in Egyptian bondage saved them from the angel of death, so too does the blood of Christ save us from eternal death. <coughs> and now, centuries after the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, this simple memorial continues to impress upon us the love of God, our Heavenly Father and the great sacrifice made by his only son, Jesus, who gave his life for our sins, though he was without sin. By participating in this memorial, we remember that sacrifice and we proclaim him as our Lord and Savior. By partaking in this memorial, we commune with him and we're united with him Paul wrote in the Corinthian letter, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? 
And finally, by protecting this memorial, memorial, we also proclaim that Jesus will come again. It serves as a reminder of his promise. Paul also wrote the Corinthians saying, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Just as the early Christians did, we meet together the first day of the week and participate in this celebration of Jesus' death and his resurrection. We know that he will come again. Let us pray. <clears throat> Our most holy Father, thank you for your great love and the love of your son, Jesus. And he came and put on flesh you faced temptations as we do each day, Father. And yet, he always did your will. He lived the perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice. Bless this bread, Father, that represents his body, which he so freely gave on Calvary. And through him we pray, amen. Father, we thank you for the blessings you give us. We ask you to bless this cup, the emblem of Jesus' blood, which was shed on the cross, the blood that cleanses us from our sins, that makes us pure in your eyes. Through him we pray, amen.
Good morning once again. Welcome to Preston Crest. Happy birthday, Tom. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we do have a time that we just talk about the good works of the church and how uh, we partner with God in those. And each year, I think so often about uh, this time of year, about those groups that are training, preparing to go uh, either here domestically or abroad from this church to do mission projects. And one of those regular is Guatemala, but there are others. And I'm so grateful for you guys. And whether you go or not, for partnering with them uh, as you give here. So let's pray God, uh, to God. Father, you are so good. Uh, you kind of modeled the ultimate mission trip for us, leaving heaven to come to earth, leaving comfort to come to misery because of your love, because of your compassion. And Lord, it is amazing and joyful, and we are grateful that we get to partner in mission trips today with your spirit, with your son, in sharing good news and helping those in neighboring countries and even here in our own community. We pray that you will bless those who go and that you will press, bless the rest of us who stay at home and pray over them and give to help make those trips possible. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey church, another effort that your offerings support is our annual Guatemala mission trip. Each July, we send a team of medical professionals, translators, and of course, just regular people like you who want to serve in the beautiful country of Guatemala. We hold a week full of mobile medical clinics and construction work that benefits the kingdom of God and the four local congregations that we help to support. Every third year, the youth group joins us, and it's always a huge blessing for the people of Guatemala, but maybe even a bigger blessing for us as hearts are forever changed once you serve these precious people. Thanks, Preston Crest, for being such a generous church. Yeah, we're planning to go to Guatemala in July, July 9 to 16. And if you have an interest in that trip... You can just meet with me over here at the conclusion of our assembly this morning. I've got some information for you. And again, just meet with me over here. We'll just have a, a quick little uh, meeting, a five-minute five meeting, and then you're off to class. But uh, if you're interested, come see me this morning. Let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. And we'll sing one more chorus, and then Gordon's going to come back up and share with us this morning. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Please be seated. 
I, like uh, Brother Phil, I'm excited about next week and uh, planning to get here plenty early, although not as early as I had to today. So I'm going to actually, John Scott, we're going to get to sleep a little later next week, so that'll be nice. Uh, but I do plan to park over at North Dallas Bank. Um, and uh, yeah, I was just thinking this morning how important it will be to kind of get into the middle of these pews and everything. It might be a little uncomfortable next week, but it will be worth it. It's going to be a great day. Uh, one that if you love this church, you're going to want to be a part of this. And we're not, going to, we're not going to focus on people next week. We're not going to pat ourselves on the back. This will be a worship service to God where we recognize what God has done in spite of us sometimes, sometimes through us and because of us. Uh, but we're going to focus on God next week. It's going to be a good day. I'm guessing some of you can identify with this story, but I was at Walgreens, it's been a while, minding my own business. I had only one thing I needed to purchase at Walgreens that day, and it was just one of those small box of razor blades, you know, that put, you put on your, on your razor, and it is remarkably hard to do that these days in person. Uh, I had not totally realized that. Um, it is really maybe one of the great challenges that mankind faces today, buying razor blades. So I was at Walgreens, and uh, you know, they're under lock and key. You know this, right? Like, you can walk out of Walgreens with just about anything. You know, gallon of milk or shampoo or diapers or just, I mean, food product, just, just about anything. But you're not walking out with those razors, at least not easily. And so there I stood at the lockbox, and I pressed the little red button for assistance. And I waited on a friendly Walgreens employee to unlock those things. They were in that vault, you know, kind of like Fort Knox. And, you know, it's like they don't want you to buy their razors. <laughs> it's like they love those little things. They are willing for you to put all sorts of things in your basket, all sorts of more expensive things, all sorts of things, but not those razor blades. So I buy, I buy them online now. Anyway, <laughs> the gospel has been running into this sort of issue since the beginning. Well-meaning religious people who since the days of Jesus have kind of locked up good news about God, have seemed to make it difficult for the lost to find salvation, to find a new relationship with God. It's almost like they don't want people to encounter the gospel. In John 4, week 1 in our evangelism series, we talked about the Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman, the woman by the well, she certainly expected this when she encountered a Jewish rabbi outside of her village. She did not expect a conversation. She did not expect to be loved and respected. Certainly did not expect to be told how she could experience salvation but Jesus didn't operate like the powers of the day, did he? He struck up a conversation. He loved and respected her and let her know that even though she had a past loaded up with sin and bad decisions, that that was not a barrier between her and God. 
And not only did she come to know God in that story, she brought the town out. And we are told that they believed in Jesus. And they proclaimed him. Remarkably, they proclaimed Jesus, this Samaritan village, to be the Savior of the world. John chapter 4. Jesus ran into well-meaning, dedicated, and energetic religious folks like the scribes and Pharisees who had determined that the grace of God be kept under lock and key. And over and over, the good news when it came to Jesus and his disciples was something that they were ready and willing to tear the locks off of and say, come and get it. The good news is for all. Jesus was called a friend of sinners during his ministry, obviously intended as an insult by his opponents, but something he wore as a badge of honor. When he was in the house of Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19, he declared, no, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Um, What about Paul? On occasions you would find Paul, a lot of occasions you would find Paul in the town synagogue. You would see him rubbing elbows with religious do-gooders, that pe- people who knew the Bible frontwards and backwards. Other occasions, you would find him having conversations with Greek philosophers. You would find him at a pagan shrine or a pagan temple like on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, sharing the gospel with people. He wrote to his friends in the Greek city of Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, even though I am a free man with no master. I've become a slave to all people. Why? To bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. Now, obviously, we're not going to read this and think Paul was some sort of human chameleon who, no matter where he was with whatever group, he would just change his worldview, alter his values so that he could blend in. That's not, he was a man of very deep convictions. Look at his arrest record, right? Very deep convictions, but he understood the principle of unlocking the gospel. He wanted in verse 19 for all people to experience God's grace practically. And we're going to kind of unpack this this morning. There were kind of three things that Paul recognized. There was faith, there was friendship, and there was flexibility when it came to sharing the good news of Christ. Let's talk about faith a little bit. This is probably of those three the least appreciated when it comes to sharing the good news. The gospel, as we found out in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the gospel is the power of God, okay? So evangelism is not about us. 
right? Its success or failure is not based on our eloquence, on our rhetoric, on our argumentation skills. It is not based on our strength. It is based on the power of God, that simple message. Because of his great love, I mean, there's never been anything like it. John 3, 16, he loved the world, so he sent his son. Because of that great love, we have forgiveness of sins, a new lease on life, a new family of believers, a hope that goes beyond the grave. We do, and all people have this hope, if they will believe on the name of Jesus. We have a part to play. We have a part to play, but I don't want an evangelism series like to be all about us because it's, it's, it's really not. We need to be willing to share our faith. We need to be willing to unlock the message, put it out there. But we know that it is not by our power or persuasion that lives will be changed. It, it's by his power. Jesus who knew all about this, said in John chapter 6, verse 63, listen to this, he said, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Read that with me if you would. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. We have a part to play, but it's really the Spirit who's doing the heavy lifting. And I love that. I love that. Paul wanted to be so clear about the process of evangelism. You're going to see that it really is God-powered, but you're also going to see that it's a team effort, right? You might put in a good word. Someone else later on might influence that person. And later on down the road, they might actually give their life to Christ. It's a team effort, but number one partner in this... The LeBron James of the team is the Spirit of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, What then is Apollos? Okay, this is a guy, Apollos, a friend of Paul. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you have believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos came along and watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. I love that. Whatever happens, I'm just a servant. I'm just doing my job. And there's this team effort there, the church working together. Years ago, I was invited to speak uh, to a group of young adults in Oklahoma City. I don't remember what I said. I don't, it, it was probably some story like Gideon or something from the Old Testament or, or Jericho or something like that. But I remember after the talk, this young man, uh, 20-something, comes up to me and he, and he said, in a very accusatory tone, he said, from what you said, it sounds like you believe that God still does miracles. I said, well, I'm glad you noticed that because, yes, I do. I believe God does miracles. I believe that when we pray, this omnipotent spiritual being, the God of the universe, actually hears us. 
That's a miracle. I believe that he responds to our prayers. I believe that when we ask God for wisdom, he grants it. When we ask God to heal the sick according to that wisdom that he has, he may choose to heal. I believe that when someone gives their life to Jesus, that is just as miraculous as anything else. That is miraculous, as miraculous as God healing the sick or God raising the dead. For God to take a sinner like me and wash me clean in an instant, that is not natural. That is supernatural. According to Jesus, that is a work of the Spirit of God, not the result of human effort. And we have to be careful that we don't make evangelism a work that we do because it is really a work that he does. And so to his Corinthian friends, Paul points out over and over that it is not in our abilities, but in the love and the power of the God that we worship that human hearts are influenced. He said in 1 Corinthians 4.20, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. And that's a preacher who wrote those words. So we use words that we know to share the gospel, to share our own stories about how Jesus has made a difference in our lives. But it's not the talk, Paul reminds us, that gets them from point A to point B. It is a move of God. He said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, listen to this, the word of the cross is folly. It's ridiculous, he said, to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, It's the power of God. So encouraging. So encouraging. To know that the gospel is unlocked when we choose in to put out a good word for Jesus. It may not be the right word. It may not be the most brilliant thing that's ever been said. But we put in a word for Jesus and we become conduits of the current of God's grace and love and power. What an amazing privilege that he allows us to partner with him in this. So, relax. Have some faith. Believe that God is at work in this and that it is not all up to you. Uh, Now, if you choose to keep your story under lock and key... If you choose to not have the name of the Savior on your lips, then I guess that is up to you. But once we share, God's power joins with our testimony and amazing things happen. Look, people know they are sinners. People actually know this. Whatever their religious background, they know they are a mess. What they may not know is that God sent his son to die for them. That God has opened the way for them to be forgiven of all of their sins and that his spirit can come and live in them to help them, to encourage them, to grow them and to seal them, assuring them that the grave will not have the last word. They may not know that. We need to share that. Since the gospel is good news, And the power is in that message. We don't have to coerce. We don't have to 
cajole anyone into yielding to the gospel. We just need to share it. We just make we need to make sure that that lockbox is opened up, and that they could come and receive. So we need faith to share the gospel. Faith helps us understand it is not up to us. It is not dependent on us. God is at work in that. We also need, and Paul models this for us, we need to understand the power of friendship. We talked about this week one. When we talked about how nine times out of ten, the gospel moves through individual relationships. So it's a foundation for evangelism, friendship. In the last chapter of this, of this 1 Corinthians letter, Paul lists these names. And you just get an idea that he has, he has some experience with these people. He got to know them. They got to know him. They built relationships together. He talks about Stephanos and Fortunatus and Achaicus and Apollos. These people that he had worked with and gotten to know and, and, and broke bread with and It's just a reminder that he met these people for the first time somewhere back in the past. And they built relationships and and some of them that he met became believers and lifelong friends of his. In the text that we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we see how he made friendships. How did this work for Paul? He built bridges. He found common ground with people. Wasn't a huge mystery. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, he talks about how he shared the gospel, but he also shared his life. That's what we do. He didn't just preach to people. He shared his life with them, friendship. Um, not everybody that we meet is going to surrender their life to Jesus. We understand that. Our friends need to know that we care about them and respect them Whatever they do with Jesus, that's so important. Last week we talked about the importance of being able to witness, to simply be able to tell our story, what has God done with me in one to two minutes to someone else? How has God affected my life? Don't sugarcoat it, don't make it this, yeah, just tell, tell the real truth about how Jesus saved you and what he's doing right now in your life. Now, let me ask you something, because this is a word, it's used like 15 to 20 times in the New Testament. We are called to be witnesses. What does a witness do? What does a witness actually do? They tell what they have seen, what they have heard. They relate their experiences. They're not the jury, right? They just present that. What the other person does with that is up to them. We are invited to be witnesses for Jesus. He told us, his disciples, in Acts chapter 1, I say us, because this couldn't have just been to those people in that room, and you'll see why. Because he tells them, you, we, we are to be witnesses. He said to them, in Judea, this region, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Dallas, Texas. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Beijing, China. Some believers forget that they're called to be witnesses and they start acting like judges. (laughs) Or they start acting like prosecuting attorneys. Judges are dispassionate dispensers of justice. 
of sentences and punishments. Uh, prosecuting attorneys do what they do, which is argue. They argue. Witnesses just tell their truthful story. It's what they do. And in our friendships, we're going to get opportunities to witness, to tell about our story with Jesus and lead people to the gospel. The final foundation of evangelism, and I don't think you can miss it there in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, for Paul is flexibility. When he was with Jews, he found common ground. <laughs> when he was with non-Jews, he found common ground. He was always looking to build bridges, always looking to find connections with whoever he was with. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. And he did. He brought many to Christ. Um, he adapted his approach, his style, depending on who he was with. We have to be adaptable. There is not a one-size-fits-all approach to faith sharing. There's flexibility in meeting people where they are, according to Paul. Um, why was Jesus considered a friend to sinners? Hung out with them, had meals with them, got to know them, uh, met them where he found them, right? Um, why was Paul such an amazing evangelist? He built bridges with different groups. He found common ground. Colossians 4 verses 5 and 6, he tells us, walk in wisdom, discernment with outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer, and I like this little phrase, each person. Each person. Sharing the gospel might be a little bit different with someone who's very religious, a Muslim friend, for example, than it is with someone who has never darkened the door of a church in their life. church. I pray for discernment, for this wisdom that Paul talks about. I pray that the Spirit will grant me and each of us this wisdom to know how to meet each person, how to connect with each person. Um, and most of all, I pray that we won't keep the good news under lock and key. That we won't decide for the sake of comfort or convenience to simply not share anything about the Savior of the world. And that phrase, each person, I think it's a really good place for us to kind of put a wrap on this series because you think about that great commission. Jesus said, go unto all the world, and I think there's slightly less than 8 billion souls on planet earth right now. A little bit overwhelming. So massive, global is this calling. And our call for sure as the church is to reach everyone. We've got mission projects around the world and we have other churches around us who are reaching other parts of the world and that is our mission. But as individuals talking to you, talking to me, our calling in this world is to reach a person. Paul says each person. 
It's to reach someone. So who is your person? What is the name of that coworker? What's the name of your spouse who's not a believer or your best friend or the new neighbors down the street? Who is your person? I don't believe, my opinion, I don't believe I'm going to be accountable for a villager in Tibet. I need to pray that all people will hear the gospel. And maybe I'll meet that villager someday and I will be accountable. But I am accountable for the people that I see around me. The people that know me. Those in my sphere of influence. That's my group of someones. So let's talk really quickly as we finish up about unlocking the gospel. And this is going to go quick. Um, Ways that we unlock the gospel in 2022. One thing is to pray, to identify that person, name that person, and bring that name before the Lord our God. Pray that God will bless their life and that he will open the door for the gospel to be shared with them by you, maybe by someone else. Pray that you will have wisdom and courage so that you can share your story at the opportune time. Be prepared. We talked about this last week. See previous sermon. Be prepared to put in a good word for Jesus. To pray with them. To share your story. Consider inviting them to attend church with you. Not that hard. Consider inviting that person to study God's word with you. Maybe they're asking you questions about the Bible. Maybe they're, I never understood this. Or maybe you could tell me about this. Get a chance to study the Bible with them. And then love and respect them no matter their openness to the gospel. That's how we unlock God's word, the message. I, I don't know that I understand all of the reasons that Walgreens keeps those razors under lock and key. I'm sure they have their reasons. Um, I do know this. Jesus died to give all human beings forgiveness, a fresh start, a new relationship with the Father. The gospel, I know this, wasn't intended to be kept behind lock and key. It spreads through relationships. It spreads through our willingness and our availability. And through that, the power of God is unlocked and unleashed in the world around us. It spreads when we are open to being witnesses, salt and light in his great world. When you choose to have faith, you believe that God can use you, even you, because he has always used people who don't have it all together. Um, You believe that the spirit of God can open doors and connect with hearts this message of the good news. Have faith. You are just the sort of person God is looking for when it comes to evangelism. You are just the sort of person God is looking for when it comes to evangelism. And friendship. 
the gospel always spreads most effectively through relationships. And then finally, be flexible. Paul was willing to be all things to all people. We live, would you agree, in an age of inflexibility? (laughs) We live in an age of proclamations and declarations on social media. We live in an age of choose your side. We, the redeemed, can't play that game. We can't join in that cultural flow of inflexibility and us versus them. We love and we respect people no matter what. We look for common ground. We build bridges, and that is not a common thing today. It's a way for the church to look a little more like Jesus. God, give me and give us your heart for the lost. Give us, Father, your joy in seeing a sinner repent and come to salvation. This morning, if you need prayers, we would love to get to pray with you, for you, or you can pray with somebody around you. Maybe it's time to cast your lot with Jesus to step into faith and to wear his story as your story. Maybe today is your day to be immersed in the name of Jesus. However you need to respond, let's stand together and let's worship our glorious God together. Precious cornerstone, sure foundation, you are faithful.
morning of worship. Baby blessing, praising, lifting our voices to God, a heartfelt time around the table, and a challenge for us to unlock the good news to others. Let's read our take-home verse together from 1 John 3:18. Read this with me. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. 